someone in our theater literally shouted out, are you kidding me? Like, uh, uh, which was what we were all thinking. I don't remember that, but I'm pretty sure that means it was me and I just locked it out. <laughs> I don't know at this point. <laughs> Welcome back to the ADR Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Hamilton. Thank you so much for tuning back in. Um, I am here today with a dear friend of mine, writer for Edge Boston, Mr. Charlie Nash. How's it going, man? It's going great. Thanks a lot for having me on, man. No, totally. Um, I wanted you on because I know we were both at the same screening for this movie uh, earlier this week. Yes, we were. And uh, you're the only person I know that I can talk to about because uh, review embargo <laughs> is... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're recording this on Thursday right now. It'll be up tomorrow. And uh, hopefully by the time you all hear this, I will be back in the theater seeing it again because I think it's that good. It's Tusk, uh, Kevin Smith's new movie about a uh, guy and a walrus. And uh, God, th this was a movie, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was something. It definitely was something. Uh, <laughs> so how would you like um, describe this movie to someone who hasn't seen it or hasn't heard of it? Like, would you recommend it? Um, personally, I wasn't a big fan of this film. I really wanted to like it. Um, I've liked Kevin Smith's work in the past. I like Chasing Amy a lot. I like Clerks. But, um, I, I, it, to sum it up, I feel like it's kind of a spoof of the human centipede that would work really well as a short film, but stretched out to feature length. It kind of feels thin and unfocused. But, I mean, it definitely has its moments, uh, which I'm sure we'll get to talk all about. No, I'm really excited to break all this down with you. I'm excited because this is the first time I've ever rec uh, recorded a podcast with someone who didn't like a movie that I liked. Oh, really? Yeah, so I really like this movie. I gave it an A- in my review. That should be up today, but um, you didn't like it. I'm really interested as to why. Uh, so... Thank you uh, very much for tuning in. If you haven't seen Tusk yet, uh, from this point on, we're going to spoil the hell out of this movie because uh, <laughs> I feel like this movie is uh, something that uh, they put a lot of emphasis on the fact that you don't know what's going to happen. There's a lot of twists and turns, a lot of surprises, things they, they don't put in the trailers, which I think is uh, fantastic. So if you've yes. not seen Tusk yet, uh, please turn off your podcasting machine thing now and <laughs> let's, uh, let's break this thing down. Uh, so... You mentioned Kevin Smith. Uh, you've seen his other work. What do you think of uh, him as a director? Um, I think he's a much better writer than he is a director. Uh, I, you know, he's just, I feel like as a director, he just isn't very focused. I feel like a lot of his compositions are kind of like just kind of point and shoot. And I just feel like he's tonally all over the place. That was one big complaint I had about this film. But I think when he uh, gets it right, it can be very charming. I mean, Clerks is intentionally low budget, so uh, I don't want to attack that um, film t in terms of its technical, uh, in terms of the way it was constructed technically, because it's intentionally low budget, black and white, and it was his first film. So you know, and uh, I, I still think it's one of his best because of those reasons, because I think it fits with um, how he uh, it fits in with his best directorial uh, set of skills and chasing Amy. I like a lot. Um, I feel like that was um, uh, it's probably still his most mature film to date. I do have some issues with um, the way that uh, uh, what's her name uh, who plays Amy uh Lauren Joey Adams, I think. Yeah, it is. something like that. There's one scene that that kind of uh, displays her lesbian friends as kind of like uh, cynical shrews that I had a problem with. But apart from that, I like how uh, it, it felt very uh, it felt very honest and very uh, self deprecating in a refreshing way. Because <laughs> the first time I watched it, I felt like um, you know, oh god, Ben Affleck's such a jerk. Why well, don't care about this guy? And then that's sort of the point and it's gotten better on repeated viewings and I think it has a lot to say about relationships and uh, human sexuality and I feel like that's one of the few times he got out of his comfort zone and uh, really uh, swung for something. Then, you know, I, I think Dogma's okay. I liked Clerks too. Um, I'm trying to think of what else he's done. I did not see Cop Out. I did not see Red State, which Neither I know is his, I. First, uh, is his first uh, attempt at a horror film. All I know about it is that uh, Melissa Leo like attracts three teenagers to have sex with her, and then they end up <laughs> at some sort of convent. I don't <laughs> know when John Goodman shows up Jesus. or something. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's interesting, too, that we're able to review this and that we went to this screening, because after uh, Cop Out, uh, which I didn't see but got horribly trashed by critics. I've heard, yeah. 
Yeah, he basically said, uh, I'm not screening movies for critics anymore, and I'm only going to let people who follow me on Twitter get, like, advanced screenings, and basically I'm having this huge fan base. And he kind of had a meltdown. It was a really public meltdown because Kevin Smith is very, very sensitive to what people have to say about his work, Mm -hmm. which is totally fine, but I think that he went about that the wrong way. And then when Red State came out, I'm pretty sure that nobody got to see it. Uh, No critics got to see it uh, immediately. They all had to wait until it came out. So I liked the fact that he was brave enough to let us see Tusk. Um, I I applaud him for at least kind of uh, coming back and, uh, you know, allowing us to give him a shot. And uh, this was a movie I wanted to like. uh, So I was very upset that I didn't. But yeah, uh, what do you think about Kevin Smith's work? Well, I've I've only ever seen Clerks and I just saw Chasing Amy for the first time uh, this past weekend. And as from as much as I can gleam, uh, that's like most of his filmography. Lots of dialogue, lots of uh, really weird, heavy, not necessarily heavy, but lots of like stuff that he just talks about. Yeah. Uh, so, and lots of dick jokes, of course. Oh, a ton of dick jokes. Uh, so, you know, here in Tusk, I feel like the movie's strengths really still do lie in the fact that so much of it is dialogue heavy. It's just two guys in the house. One of them is incapacitated the entire movie. So it's all in the performances. It's all in the dialogue. And I feel like that's my favorite part about Tusk. It has that kind of human centipede feel. Uh, I actually like human centipede a lot um, just oh, because <laughs> you, you don't like human centipede. I loathe that film. I loathe that film with every fiber of my being. But anyway, I don't want to interrupt you. <laughs> no, see, the thing is, like, I feel like where human centipede's strengths are... Uh, you have a really strong villain that can carry the movie when most of the other quote unquote actors are just like, you know, in prosthetics or completely incapacitated. And as much as, you know, you're disgusted by what's happening, you have this awesome villain to latch onto. And I feel like that's why I really love Tusk. Michael Parks is amazing. Yeah, he is really good in it, definitely. Yeah, so I feel like uh, the fact that he's there, you know, really carrying this movie as this crazy villain, his name's Howard Howe, uh, which I think is bizarre, but, you know, he. He is my favorite part of this movie by far, just because he's able to do this kind of thing. I feel like, like Human Centipede, a movie like this needs a strong villain, because the main character that we're supposed to side with is, you know, we're in spoiler territory now, he's a fucking walrus the entire time. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'd say half the time. It takes a little long to get to that point, which was another complaint that I had. I just feel like, um, and this actually goes back to us talking about Kevin Smith and dialogue. I think that every scene in Tusk goes at least five minutes too long. Mm, I agree. Um, and it is interesting. I think conversations start off interesting and then just really drag. Um, and I got, uh, kind of impatient at some points, even though I agree with you that probably some of the best scenes of the film are like build up. Um, it just built up for, it's it just the scene. He, he didn't know when to cut this film. I felt like I, it felt very, uh, it was kind of a slog during some scenes, but I agree with you about Michael Parks. And, um, you know, Justin Long is fine. Yeah, he's kind of the everyman. I mean, he could have been a bit more of an everyman, but Kevin Smith yeah. can't write a lead character without, you know, pouring 95% of himself into him. Yeah, he's good at playing the smug douchebag that Kevin Smith is uh, very much poking fun at himself for. I mean, it's a very meta character, and he's kind of, I admire Kevin Smith for kind of, very obviously putting a surrogate version of himself played by Justin Long as this like pompous douchebag who used to be really self-conscious and is now kind of full of himself. I admire him for doing that. I did not find Justin Long's uh, his performance is fine. I didn't find him to be an interesting character though. I felt like he was just smug and uh, not very... I I just didn't like care. I just had no... (laughs) I, I, I know that sounds so terrible of me. I mean it, it, I just didn't care about him. I just felt like, uh, you know, even when he was a smug douchebag, like I love movies that are, uh, I love com- uh, comedies that are about terrible, terrible people. There was a film that came out a couple of years ago called Bachelorette, where which everybody hated, and it was like, well, I shouldn't say everybody, but it was uh, most people attacked it for being too cynical and mean spirited. But that's kind of what I loved about it is that Kirsten Dunst and Lizzie Kaplan and Isla Fisher are these horrible, horrible women who don't learn anything, and they're basically the popular girls from high school grown up um, and haven't <laughs> learned anything and they just do cocaine and uh, the entire time and they're just terrible human beings. Wow. So I don't want to be like, oh, he's a jerk. Why should I care? Because I do find, uh, you know, unlikable protagonists fascinating. It's just a character that I feel like Kevin Smith's kind of done before and better. 
it kind of felt like he was playing Randall from Clerks, only <laughs> more meta. Yeah, like the way that uh, Kevin Smith writes his movies and writes his characters, they are very, you know, comedic. I feel like if you ask Kevin Smith, he wouldn't think Tusk as a very, like, different movie from the rest of his filmography because everything else he's done has the same kind of pacing and same kind of characters and development. Uh, yeah. The fact that, you know, scenes go on for far too long, I completely agree. In Chasing Amy, when Jay and Silent Bob show up for 15 minutes and they just talk about whatever in uh, the middle of the diner, I love that. Like, that's an amazing scene because it's a welcome mm -hmm. break from the plot. In this, like, the 15-minute scene with Guy Lapont is uh it, the movie ground to a halt grinded ground whatever it grinded to yeah. a halt <laughs> yeah i agree um yeah i agree the pacing was so weird in this film and so tonally bizarre like it felt like sometimes it was really campy sometimes it was playing it completely straight faced other times it was like winking at us i just had no idea what type of tone he was going for and I usually admired it when it was trying to be campy and kind of aware of the fact that it's like, like obviously Kevin Smith like knows this is a ridiculous premise and he's <laughs> intentionally trying to make it campy and trashy. But there are some scenes that are so straight faced, like every scene with Justin Long's girlfriend, uh, she's like acting in a completely different movie. <laughs> like, and I know that she's kind of in a role where she has to play it straight faced, but like the tone set by all those scenes with her, uh, and Haley Joel Osment are just like bizarrely like self serious in their own way. I agree. Uh, the way that psycho does it, I think it works really, really well because it cuts back and forth between them, but you care about, well, not necessarily like, See, I was rooting for them. I mean, you want to root for them. They're the good yeah. guys. But you don't really care about, you know, their weird relationship. You don't really care about, uh, you know, their motivations beyond the fact that they just want to find this guy. Especially because, you know, they put so many eggs in that basket that, you you know, you want to side with the good guys. They want to help them find their friend. The way that the movie ends and it grinds to a halt really, really quickly. Oh, God, we're jumping way ahead. <laughs> uh, way say we... um. Uh, start at the beginning, walk through the movie, and uh, see if we can make something out of this weird mess of a movie that I love dearly. Sure, so, sounds good. So, <laughs> um, what do you think of, like, the first part of the movie? I felt like it was a straight comedy, and horror movies can be funny, but I feel like this is in a silo uh, in and of itself, rather than, like, a smooth part of the rest of the movie that actually goes together well. Yeah, it felt like Kevin Smith was trying to do what he usually does, which is kind of do the crude, raunchy humor and, you know, they're kind of jackasses. And I but I feel like he thought they were more likable jackasses than they were supposed to be. Like, I know he's never saying they're nice people, but like I didn't find them to be as funny. Like, like I, I loved the like when the development came up, basically the movie starts off with um, they have this podcast called the Not See Cast where uh, Justin Long gets to interview these people and Haley Joel Osment, his co-host, doesn't see them and then basically sees what they're famous for on YouTube or whatever and then <laughs> reacts to it live. It's kind of an interesting premise. I mean, the fact yeah. that, you know, they're there kind of just making fun of people and they went on with that bit for very 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 long yeah too long again everything in this movie felt like it was just stretched too thin for me like uh but basically like there was a development where they one of the first people they're talking about is this kill bill kid which is basically if you've seen the star wars kid uh hit on youtube or whatever it's basically that only instead of a lightsaber he has uh a samurai sword and he cuts his leg off and it is you know, a cute little gag. And then there's a plot point where Justin Long goes to interview him and he's killed himself. And I think that's like really good potential for really dark comedy, but it just kind of dealt with Justin Long kind of going like, Oh, what an asshole. But without being like cleverly douchey about it. I don't know. Kevin I, Smith can definitely do better than that. And he like, yeah. the way Justin Long reacted was way too blech and left a bad taste in my mouth because yeah. yes, that's in bad taste. The fact that they're like, uh, on the one hand, the fact that Kevin Smith put a guy in there killing himself played for laughs almost. And then the fact that, you know, Justin yeah. Long reacts really, really badly. That has potential for dark comedy. I don't disagree. Uh, but yeah. I feel like there's he crossed the line there and it yeah. didn't work for the rest of the movie. Well, I mean, like one of my favorite movies is Heathers, which is all about <laughs> Winona Ryder and Christian Slater killing people and then uh, staging their murders as suicides. So it's not like I think that suicide can't be funny. What I'm trying to say is I just feel like I wish Kevin Smart Smith, uh, yeah, I wish Kevin Smith went really dark with that and made him terrible, like just an awful human being, but also in a funny way, as opposed to just kind of playing it like, 
oh, that sucks, what an asshole, and then just kind of, like, not really going from there. Um, but you're right. I mean, like, with all, you know, with Robin Williams killing himself recently, it's not exactly going to play out uh, that well for audiences, I don't think. It definitely didn't play out well for me. Mm-hmm. But it was, like... I don't know. I just wish that if Justin Long was a douchebag, I just wish that he was like a really, really terrible human being. Like that's what dark. That's when I love dark comedy is if they're just unapologetically disgusting and you're (laughs) laughing at them because I think that would have worked better for the horror, too, when, you know, he's because how can you not like sympathize with this guy once the horror kicks in? Exactly. Like they really could have done a lot more with Justin Long as a character because uh, the rest, the rest yeah. of the movie, like you are rooting for him because he's the good guy, like I mentioned before. But again, like he's not enough of a character that you're like really attached to him. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I don't need to be attached to him. I mean, like uh, one of the reasons I oddly think that the first Hostel film works so well is because they're just disgusting frat boys who think that they can just go to Europe and uh, fuck whoever they want and smoke pot and they just have no idea how naive they're being in this foreign country that um, you know they could they could actually get captured and tortured and I feel like Eli Roth is almost making fun of them which I kind of liked and here it was like Kevin Smith wanted you to like him even though he's kind of a dis- douchebag and it didn't feel like he really knew what kind of vibe he wanted the audience to get from him um, but he's also Kevin Smith so I feel like Kevin Smith <laughs> was like I want people to like me but also I'm self-deprecating so I feel like um, but you know, again, not to go back to Bachelorette, but like, uh, <laughs> all those characters are self-deprecating and they're not apologetic about being horrible, uh, cocaine snorting, terrible women. Uh, but yeah, like anyway, um, you're coming back on next month sometime to talk about Hostel cause I need some Halloween movies. Oh my God. I love oh, that I movie love so that. much. Yeah. It's, it's, it's good. I, I'm not oddly enough. I feel like a lot of people love the second one more, which I'm not as big of a fan of, but <sighs> Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Tusk. But, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, from there, the kid kills himself and he's kind of stranded up there in Canada. So he needs something to do to make the trip worth it. And uh, he ends up finding this really weird. I mean, like that Craigslist ad from uh, like the original inspiration of, uh, you know, this movie on the Smodcast. Yes. Uh, he actually finds pinned to a wall. Hey, uh, come visit me. I have stories to tell. Uh, did you think that was a little too like out of the blue or forced or in terms of pacing? How'd you feel about that moment? I thought it was fine. I mean, I didn't expect, I mean, I I was just fine because I didn't go, I don't, (laughs) I knew there was going to be some contrivance in some way because it's a movie about a guy getting turned into a walrus. So it's not like I was like, well, that's not believable. But like at the same time, there is a lot of instances in this movie where people, uh, have epiphanies while they're peeing which was kind of weird like it wasn't (laughs) even comedic it was just kind of like oh let's have this character take a piss and then they notice something on the wall or whatever i thought it was bizarre uh yeah that weird moment where you just kind of oh okay here here you are uh plot point finally uh it was a little bit too serendipitous but then again you know this is a horror slash comedy slash kevin smith movie so i'm totally not like I'm not going to say, oh, you made this movie really inaccurately. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, he could have done it a little bit more smartly, though. I feel like uh, the fact that uh, he was peeing, didn't really care, was really angry, probably a little bit tipsy at that point because he's in the bar. Like, Not to mention that he's peeing for like 20 seconds before he even notices the note. <laughs> and it's not even really a joke. It's just kind of watching him pee yep kevin smith why do you do this to us uh so from there the movie takes a really sharp turn. how far into the movie was this this couldn't have been more than like 20 minutes right it was like 20 minutes yeah 15 20 minutes tops yeah so like it falls into that trap so many horror movies do where like they try to establish and play it as like a normal movie and they pretend that there's no real horror until like this point in the movie where they all say okay let's uh Let's switch to a different movie. And then things get really tense when he meets uh, Howard Howe, who is uh, played by Michael Parks. We talked about him earlier. He's amazing. Mm -hmm. Kevin Smith's uh, forte is definitely in his dialogue scenes. And while I feel like most scenes in this movie went really, really long, this scene didn't. Like, it was a perfect amount of, like, pacing, setting things up, knocking him down, setting things up, knocking him down, setting things up, knocking out Justin Long. I still think it was too long, but I agree with you. It's one of the scenes that I was, like, less critical of for being too long. Um... And yeah, it was, it was, uh, I just wish that there was some, it was more tense. I don't know. I just kind of got the vibe. You know, I just, since I went into this movie knowing exactly what it's about, I was just kind of like at one point, like, okay, we got it, move on. But, you know, Michael Parks is great. Um, there, um, 
are weird black and white flashbacks too. And um, do you think those really happened? What? Do you think those black and white flashbacks really happened, or is uh... or he's just insane? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, I think that in I mean, it's a Kevin Smith movie about a guy turning himself, uh, turning another man into a walrus. So I just played it. Yeah, I just assumed that was real in the world of the movie. Uh, whether that would happen in real life, absolutely not. But I, <laughs> but that would have been great if that was actually another twist where it was just like he's so insane that this just never happens and like he just has some weird walrus fetish. But um, yeah, I I feel like it was effective. And it kind of, it was Kevin Smith winking at you like, haha, you all know how these horror movie conventions play out and what it's leading to. And oh, this dumb protagonist is drinking uh, something that this creepy uh, host made for him. What an idiot. But it still felt a little too long to me. I don't know. I liked, the length didn't bother me so much as like the fact that it kept you really tense the whole time because... No, this is the scene that most of the trailer is from for the movie. I don't know why I'm so obsessed with trailers, but the fact that this... Oh, I like trailers. I feel like they get a bad rep. They... For someone in our world where it's like, don't watch a trailer, go into the movie completely blind, I feel like Tusk's trailer is fantastic in that it gives you a taste yeah. of the movie's tone and what happens, but mm -hmm. it doesn't reveal anything at all from the second half of the movie. I'm so, so glad that none of the stuff in the second half of the movie was in the uh, promo material. I agree with you completely. They advertise the movie really well because those are the best types of trailers. If they show you the entire three-act structure of the film, it's like, okay, thanks. And now I know exactly what I'm going to see. And uh, there's barely any surprise to go along for the ride. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, they, they advertised it really well. Also, they probably couldn't actually show anything like that. I mean, red band trailers, but I know Kevin <laughs> Smith wouldn't want to do that to this movie because then if they revealed it, then who the hell is going to show up? Exactly. You know? Um, and, you know, we can jump ahead a little bit to the big reveal where, yes, Justin Long has, in fact, turned into a goddamn walrus. The fact that, you know, none of us saw this coming, and, well, I mean, we kind of saw it coming. It's, a, it's like the premise of the movie, but the fact that none of us actually knew whether or not that would actually happen, and whether or not, like, none of us knew it would happen so soon. It was like an hour yeah. into the movie, we still had, like, at least the entire third act left, if not most of the second act, and here he is he's a walrus where the hell do we go from here and i feel like when we saw this in the theater like the big gasp from everyone that was there was partly oh, yeah. gruesome holy crap that's a walrus person and half what the hell goes on from here like what's gonna happen yeah yeah i agree and it is weird because it goes from it, it still has that slow like oh justin like justin long wakes up at one point and he has missing a leg so I was <laughs> yeah thinking, like oh it's gonna be a really tense like really slow build up and then it goes from one missing one leg to full-on walrus never go full walrus which it this is one thing i will say even if you don't like the movie the reactions from the members of the audience will make it totally worth it like because my friend uh who was sitting next to me was absolutely horrified and basically going fetal and his reaction was almost as more entertaining than the movie itself uh it, it, yeah it was just and i will agree that is the one really effective part of the movie i had no idea what that he was going to look like as a walrus i thought he was going to like do some weird thing from seven where he just makes me eat spaghettios or big macs or something and make him fat and then he's actually sewn into this disgusting uh you know fat suit that's you know, he and he's stitched to it, and it's made of like severed, you know, feet and arms and other body parts. There was a face in like his hip oh, side. Oh god! Yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. That was one of my favorite little moments where it, um, it they don't play any like put any tension towards it whatsoever, but it's just kind of there. And when you see it, you go, "Oh my god, that's human flesh." <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I do like that they don't show any of the surgery. They, which was effective because if it was just like showing it detail for detail, first of all, no suspense. Second of all, that would just be, you know, gruesomeness for the sake of gruesomeness. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that was one thing I will say. It is a pretty horrific reveal. Like, I doubt that anyone's just going to watch that and just be like disappointed in the way that uh, Justin Long <laughs> ultimately looks. Because even though I wasn't enjoying the movie that much, when we got to that point, I was just like, oh, like it was just so gross and terrifying. Like you just your mind goes to like, uh, if I was in that situation, I would kill myself in an instant, uh, 
Which, um, also, uh, one other thing that bugged me about this movie is the flashbacks totally throw the pacing off. First of all, we're introduced to Justin Long's girlfriend, who's giving him a blowjob, which, you know... Not very feminist of you, Kevin Smith, but anyway. Um, first of all, yeah, she is, like, the heart of the movie, like, the sense of reason, but do we really need her blowing Justin Long, and do we need, like, a zoom-in of Justin Long's face as he's, like, you know, about to come? I don't know. It was just felt kind of gratuitous to me. And then on top of that, this character uh, also is a hypocrite because she's actually fucking Haley Joel Osment, which just made it even more sour to me because... It, I mean, it, we don't we don't ever see them fucking, but like it's pretty obvious that they have a thing going on. Right? The way that that's revealed when uh, she's staring directly into the camera, saying things like, "Oh, when he's not here, you're the only one that like comes and helps me feel beautiful again." Like the way that that was played was not necessarily like too straight because most of that chunk of the movies played very very straight i'm okay with that but yeah. the way that they did it it was so obvious it was Haley joel osman because he's the only other character in the movie <laughs> and he's gotten a little pudgier too so you can tell when there's a pudgy hand yeah exactly scene. yeah i would have loved it here's what i would have loved i would have loved if this was his comeback role and he actually played justin long's character <laughs> Wait, he's already kind of pudgy as it is, and like I, I just think that would have been hilarious. I think that would have been even funnier because Haley Joel Osment doesn't really have a whole lot to do here, and you know, uh, he was just so fucking good when he was a kid. I mean, Sixth Sense is amazing. He's amazing in the Sixth Sense. Uh, AI, I rewatched it uh, a year or two ago. I remember thinking it was like a, oh, it's so sweet. It's like Pinocchio with a robot. And it's actually, when you watch it as an adult, it's kind of terrifying. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of a, it is almost like the beginning almost plays out like it's going to be a horror movie. And he's just so good in it mm -hmm. that I was kind of upset that Kevin Smith just kind of brought him along to be like, hey, look, everybody, it's Haley Joel Osment. And he doesn't really get to do anything. But that's true. Like, he doesn't have much of a role in this, though I feel like the search for Justin Long in the, in the second half of the movie is very bizarre in that they're kind of a tag team, and even though they're, you know, cheating, like, she's cheating on him with his best friends, you know, mm -hmm. the plot of the room thrown into the middle of this movie, uh, the fact that they, you know, were kind of teaming up like this blew my mind because that awkwardness between them, like, mm -hmm. they had to pretend they were, like, friends and also acknowledge the fact that they're not dating and also acknowledge the fact that they have hooked up and also acknowledge... It was so weird. Yeah. He didn't have much to do as an actor or as a character because, uh, you know, she... God, I should look up her name. Uh, mm, yeah. <laughs> her name is... Genesis Rodriguez. Yes. With lots of accents over her name. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but Allie. Uh, she takes the lead in most of the investigation. Uh, yeah. So what's Haley Joel Osment doing? Who knows? There's lots of shots of him sympathetically nodding, whether he's like, uh, <laughs> whether she's, um, you know, confiding in him or he's listening to her with the clues or, you know, if there's another character that we won't get to. It was a lot of Haley Joel Osment just kind of nodding, like agreeing with everybody and not really doing that much except like contributing ideas that, you know, it's like, hey, I'm Haley Joel Osment. Let me get you to the next plot point kind of a thing. <laughs> like... Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, I'd like to think he's still seeing dead people, uh, like, in the middle of this movie, he just kind of looks over, oh, hey, how's that it going? That would have been great. I would have loved that. Oh, um, <laughs> it seems like it's something Kevin Smith would have done. Yeah, you think he would have thrown a reference like that in there. Um, but, yeah, like, the flashbacks, they just interrupt the whole flow of the movie, and it the flashbacks are, like, a completely different type of movie because most of them are played completely straight. Like, even though the there's some scenes of like horror that aren't as campy as they usually are. I still feel like it's taking place mostly in the same B movie universe. Whereas the, it's almost like Kevin Smith's like making a breakup movie halfway through. I don't know. And then there's another flashback uh, at one point, just since we're on the topic of flashbacks, there's one flashback that interrupts the entire investigation of them looking for uh, Justin Long. And not only that, it's a scene that we saw at the beginning of the film before he even sees Michael Parks. And mm. it's just like, why didn't we just see that entire scene and then just have Haley Joel Osment reference it like later on? And it was just so Kevin Smith can make a joke about uh, how teenage girls uh, hate Americans um, mm -hmm. and how Americans make fun of Canadians, which just kind of fell flat because it's like really, really tense and you know, Michael Parks is making him do all these horrible, horrific things, and then all of a sudden, oh, hey, look, this uh, flashback at a convenience store for no reason. And I was just kind of like, what? 
why are we here again? <laughs> but I was really confused by that because we didn't see the full scene in the beginning, but the stuff that was added in this second like retelling didn't add anything at all to the No, it story. was just a dumb joke. It was just dumb jokes. It was nothing that we already didn't know. It was just Kevin Smith fucking around, and he was just kind of like, well, I don't want to totally delete this scene, but he didn't even have to totally delete it. I mean, the joke didn't work, but he could have just played the entire scene out in the beginning. Exactly. Because in the beginning, too, it just awkwardly cuts, like, and like it, it ends so abruptly it's like a five second scene in the beginning it, there was no reason to i don't know fun fact uh those uh clerks girls um in that scene are johnny depp's daughter and kevin smith's daughter i had no idea that was uh that was them holy crap harley quinn smith and lily rose depp according to uh, wikipedia so now we know why that scene wasn't cut it was because they were like oh we have children <laughs> they have to have a scene and, you know, they were probably it was probably like Kevin Smith was probably editing the movie. And then he was like, look, this scene doesn't fit in. And the girls were like, please. And then they were like, OK, whatever you want, children or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I've always wondered really weird tangent. I've always wondered what it's like to have a young kid while you're making this genre of movies. They can't watch until they're like 18, at least. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, like she was yeah. probably born about around the time of Clerks, judging by her age. So I can only imagine what it must be like. Oh, Daddy, can I watch your movies? No, I'm sorry. There's yeah. lots of sex. <laughs> Have you ever seen? There's a featurette that shows a little kid from The Shining. He has no idea he's in a horror movie, and it's hilarious. I've heard stories about him. Like he had no idea it was a horror movie, and then like he watched it once when he was like 20, and hasn't seen it since. <laughs> yeah, and there's like there's like one sequence of like when he's running away from Jack Nicholson, and he hides in a cabinet during the end of the movie. Jack Nichols, uh, Stanley Kubrick's like uh, telling him like you're running, you're playing hide and seek, you're running from Daddy. Oh, you can hide in the cabinet, hide in the cabinet, and he's just talking to him like he would a three year old, and it's kind of hilarious. <laughs> So Tusk, uh, there's yeah. Um, sorry, no, no, don't worry about. It. There's um, uh, what was I gonna bring up? We mentioned the human centipede a little while ago, and like the meat of that comparison comes when Michael Parks is kind of like torturing Justin Long in a bizarrely like not sexual way, but in a very like fantasy fulfillment that I feel like in his mind is tied to that same kind of yeah. like pleasure receptor thing because. If we're to believe his weird old flashbacks, he was saved by a walrus and has since developed this really bizarre attraction for walruses that doesn't seem sexual, but it seems like he, you need a walrus like you need a dog or something like that. At one point, it seemed like it was going to go there when he starts leaning into Justin Long and giving a monologue, and it kind of just it gave. It, at first, I chuckled at it, and then it went on forever, and then at one, I was just like, "Is it, are, are you really going to go there? Please don't! Like, like, please don't go there." If there was walrus sex, I would have just up and left. Uh, yeah. As much as I love this movie, it has its problems, and I feel like this was not necessarily a problem, but the fact that, you know, this whole weird attraction for walruses, it's the reason for the movie existing, but it yeah. played out in a really disturbing way that I felt like could have gone a little bit too far. It's Kevin Smith. He does yeah. go too far. And what's funny is that I was laughing a lot when Michael Parks ultimately reveals, like, that he's obsessed with walruses and, you know, better off to be a walrus and, you know, that sort of stuff. I was laughing at it. And then the great part about the reveal is that once you see the reveal, it is actually horrifying, but at the same time, it's not the most I mean it's obvious <laughs> this is gonna sound stupid but it's not like oh that could happen that could obviously happen to a human being that that <laughs> walrus suit so like it's horrifying but it exists in its own b-movie universe where you can accept it and it can still be scary even though um it's over the top ridiculous um it it, it yeah um the the stuff with um it, there were times okay I, I know I'm probably contradicting what I said before but there was a period of time where it went too straight-faced with the torturing, and then it went to a, a ridiculously campy place that I enjoyed more, but I feel like tonally it was just kind of weird. See, I disagree. I feel like the campiness in the torture, like, where the torture was effective was in how straight it was, because I, I don't know about you, I don't enjoy, you know, watching people scream and be like, oh, help me, help me, this is horrible. Yeah, like, no. you don't enjoy it, but it shakes you in a way like that's why you go watch horror movies because it like kind of mm -hmm. shakes you in a way and you want that fear and the first big moment like that is the reveal and then the rest of that scene if memory serves is him just screaming mercilessly help 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 or rah 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 as much as he yeah. could <laughs> um he's so, not saying he had his tongue cut out which is horrifying yeah so. why the hell does michael parks 
want the human component to the walrus if he's just gonna cut out the tongue or like remove all human element from him that's a good point um i'm just gonna go with the fact that he's insane and he can do whatever he wants i'm um, down with that <laughs> yeah. uh i'm not looking for like a, a, a big character psycho like I, I like how the movie's totally aware that his walrus psychology is just insane and doesn't make any sense whatsoever even though they give you flashbacks it's not like you it, it's not like you're expecting to take it seriously which i admire it's not like he's a sympathetic character in any way no he's not like i He's not like Jigsaw or anything where at least you can kind of see, you know, his mentality behind things as much as like I don't I love the Saw movies as much as I'm not a fan of the fact that like these are moral stories or whatever, like fables almost where, you know, Mm -hmm. you must be a good person or else you'll die by horrible death trap. And this is completely like in its own little vacuum, completely like separate from anything else. There's no rhyme or reason. It's just Howard Howe capturing people doing insane insane things to them and uh and then just kind of using them as his walrus puppet things i yeah i just feel like it was scary at first like him learning how to swim i was fine with that but then it goes into justin long misery for too long to the point where i was just kind of like it felt like it was spinning its wheels that i kind of wanted that camp and at the end even though um And also, we should also mention that in the middle of this, uh, Haley Joel Osment and, um, I'm sorry, uh, Genesis Rodriguez hire a private detective who is played by Johnny Depp. Is he he Guy LaPonte in modern times, too? uh, I believe so. Because I definitely recognize Johnny Depp as this dude when... um, in the flashback, I was like, wait, is that is that really Johnny Depp? It looks like Johnny Depp, but then I thought he was a completely different person in uh in the like modern uh Guy LaPonte's. That is a good thing. point. He was like some weird other character in the flashback. That flashback also went on for so long Way too and long. it was just it wasn't even that funny. I mean, like, I, and that's another thing. I thought that when Johnny Depp first came on screen, I was losing my shit. He was hilarious. <laughs> and then that scene went on too long, too. And I was just kind of like, no, like, you're killing it. Stop it. But, yeah. Do we even need a flashback of him bumping into him, uh, bump, bumping into Michael Parks? Because Michael Parks also plays like uh, he's pretending to be mentally retarded, which just didn't play well. And it's not like a clever way to uh, spin on that uh stereotype at all it was just very weird and it once again threw the entire pace of the movie off balance because not only have we cut back from the walrus plot but we've cut back to a subplot that goes into a flashback that is not necessary at all it was played for laughs and as funny as it was like it just wasn't enough to justify all of that like removal from the main plot we're here to see tusk not yeah um, you know Guy LaPont and his uh, bizarre travels. Although we may see a full-length movie about that later. We'll get to that at some point. But the fact is, like, it was all right. The scene had this weird, uh, like, what? it's not an accordion. Is it like that very stereotypical French music playing in the background because they're in Quebec? Yeah, I think it was an accordion. I'm pretty sure, yeah. And to uh, the listeners out there, Johnny Depp also has, like, a very French hat on. He's got this ridiculous mustache and an accent. They're talking about poutine and uh, hockey and maple yep. syrup. And, yeah. Come on. <laughs> and a lot of people have criticized the cameo for being too self-indulgent. And while I think that it can play off that way it totally uh was just so unexpected in a what's happening type of way like how like it was just so out there and weird and inspired that i didn't care um until it went on too long and then i just felt like kevin smith just didn't know when to cut it because he too thought it was funny but (laughs) that that's the thing i feel like kevin smith just had no idea how to cut this thing he just like and it's so weird, too, because this is the weird thing about Kevin Smith. I, he's clearly very self-conscious based on his uh, the personality he gives off in social media and the public and everything. But he also has, like, this weird, like, smugness to him at times. He's both smug and self-deprecating. And I understand that the smugness is probably, like, for show. And it's like he's not actually that smug, but he plays it up as that. And it's weird. I don't know. It, it, like, it, it's the Justin Long character, like, smug but self-conscious. And it just doesn't really play into anything that's very coherent or focused. I was reading an interview with him uh, the other day, and he was talking about, oh, yeah, my critics were telling me about this, this, this. And they didn't like Cop Out, but they kind of like this, and they didn't like this. Like, he was very self-aware, but mm-hmm. at to the point where, you know, 
I respect him for making movies he wants to make. The uh, interview I was reading, I'll put this in the show notes as well, it's, um, it's him saying that this is the first, like, most original thing he's made since Clerks. And there was something about him uh, making Clerks and saying this is the movie that I really, really, really wanted to make and it was the only movie I could make because I had, like, so little money or something like that. Yeah. And everything else he's done has been, like, variations on that. Like, Clerks was original and that is just kind of hanging out, doing nothing, being silly, making dick jokes. And then this is, like, the first movie that he's made that's something that he's always wanted to see since he was like a kid I in that way it reminds me almost of Tarantino because all he knows how to make is what he saw when he was a kid so there's things like that in terms of how Kevin Smith sees himself in his career in his uh, filmography I mm-hmm. like how Tusk plays into that because it's very different but it's also very Kevin Smith if you if you take away like the gore and violence and like the weird genre I feel like underneath it all is still a very solid Kevin Smith movie that's dialogue driven and where the dialogue is most is like the meat of the movie as much as it's not like as successful as something like Clerks or Chasing Amy Mm-hmm. The uh, stuff that happens between, you know, Haley Joel Osment and Genesis Rodriguez really doesn't add much to it. Like, there's so much better dialogue in all of his other movies, like, than between them. Mm-hmm. It is very much a Kevin Smith movie. No, I will agree with you on that. And that is something that even though I don't think Kevin Smith, I have a lot of problems with the tone of Kevin Smith movies, it is very distinctly his film. It's not something that can be mistaken for much else. Um and Kevin Smith seems like a really nice guy, and I do like him. I think that he's, <laughs> I know, I, I, you know, because I, I don't, you know, it's clear that he's sensitive, uh, you know, more sensitive than he wants to be, and sensitive enough, enough to uh, make a movie about, you know, sexual ina- inadequacy when he was feeling sexually inadequate. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, and but at the same time, like I just, uh, I, I just uh, didn't didn't care um for this film and i wish i did because i you know i love midnight movies and i love horror movies and i it's not that i have a weak stomach or anything like that i mean i've seen really fucked up shit uh but uh it just felt like a bunch of kevin smith movies crazy glued into one and he just didn't know what type of movie he wanted to make when i saw this uh uh, walking out, I felt like this would have belonged at like a small indie theater midnight circuit if it yeah. wasn't like a Kevin Smith movie getting a wide release. I don't know why this is getting a wide release. This is one of the most niche, weird cult things I've seen getting this wide release in mm-hmm. a very, very long time. Like Definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think it will do better at midnight uh, at, at, for the midnight crowd. Like I can see this playing, uh, at, you know, the Coolidge midnight, um, for, you know, uh, people who like to go out on Friday nights and get a little buzzed or shit faced and then just go see this crazy movie. I mean, it is crazy. Uh, Kevin Smith does go all out in some scenes, which I admire him for. Uh, but also, do you want to talk about the ending and like how insane that movie, the last few moments of this movie are? Most definitely. Uh, so there's like the pre-ending and post-ending kind of thing. So as um, as uh, Haley Joel Osment and Genesis Rodriguez get closer and closer and closer to Michael Parks's Canadian lair, uh, the movie ramps up in a very weird way. I felt like the pacing was so off, given mm-hmm. that they spent so much time establishing weird things that really didn't play into much else about the movie. No. This was so fast. They could have spent so much more time on it. It's so weird, too, because they spent so much time trying to find uh, the, you know, Haley Joel Osment and Johnny Depp and um, Genesis Rodriguez spent so much unnecessary time trying to find him. Then all of a sudden they just find him. And, you know, they uh, and it's also uh, one of the most bizarre things that happens in this movie is Michael Parks also gets in his own little walrus suit and (laughs) literally tells Justin Long, uh, we're going to have a fight and you must embrace your inner walrus or I will kill you, which um, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, <laughs> and it doesn't make any sense, but it's okay. I don't go to a movie like Tusk for, like, logic. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like I'm going to walk out of Tusk and be like, that doesn't make any logical sense. But uh, 100% medically inaccurate. Yeah, uh, but tonally it's just weird. And there's, like, like loopy, uh, upbeat music playing, and it's, like, so different from, like, the almost torture porn vibe that the film gave off before. And it is pretty funny to see Justin Long just go insane and just, like, murder the shit out of Michael Parks. But um, 
that that I was fine with. Um, it's what happens afterwards where I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> like, even in this type of movie, even in this universe in which these characters exist, I was like, oh, come on. So like, the thing is, like, the ridiculous. ending of the movie ends up becoming this weird, like, lesson moral thing for Justin Long. And it comes out of the blue where Michael Parks says, I'm going to teach you a lesson. This was so self-indulgent for Howard Howe, Michael Parks, yes. where it made no sense that all of a sudden you are going to become a walrus or else I will kill you. He just spent all this time, like, stitching the this walrus stuff onto him and making him this walrus and it makes no sense that he would just throw that away for some weird little lesson for Justin Long and turns out it's stuck be my companion yeah and so and there's also a scene where all these other walrus skeletons are at the bottom of the pool which by the way if i was ever in that position i'd just fucking drown like i, 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 I loved care. loved that little reveal where you know yes. he gets thrown into the water and then at the very bottom is more walrus human skeletons because uh, for me one of my biggest 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 fears is uh water uh, like deep, deep water that you can't see the bottom mm-hmm. of. Uh, Jaws is one of my favorite movies. So there's that. Um, I love that little thing. Like the rest of the movie, I couldn't get out of my head that as they're like, you know, treading water, swimming along, la di da di da, freaky walrus, whatever, la la la. I couldn't get over the fact that like 10 feet underneath them were skeletons of walruses and humans. And I that was one of the creepiest parts of the movie to me because water is one of my biggest fears. I just yeah. admitted that on the podcast. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, well, also drowning is an absolutely terrible way to die. Mm. But I mean, I can also imagine if I was in that situation, just fucking kill me. I don't care. I'll drown. I mean, how much pain do you think Justin Long is in? I'm pretty sure Michael Parks wasn't like giving him meds so he would like get used to it. I mean, like, uh, and yeah, it's really weird that the whole film, basically Michael Parks gets killed and then it. Uh, Johnny Depp and Genesis Rodriguez and Haley Joel Osment find him. It ends with the scene ends with Johnny Depp aiming a shotgun at um, Justin Long, and it feels like it's going to be uh, ending the same way that uh, David Cronenberg's The Fly did, where mm-hmm. it was like a mercy kill. And then it cuts to like I don't know eight months later or something. No, it was and... one year later. Because, oh, one year yeah, later. they had to do that. They had to go with the stereotypical one year later. And there's signs outside a house that say like <laughs> petting zoo or something like walrus zoo. I don't know. And mm. uh, someone in our theater literally shouted out, "Are you kidding me?" Like, uh, <laughs> uh, which was what we were all thinking. I don't remember that, but I'm pretty sure that means it was me. And I just locked it out. <laughs> I don't know at this point. <laughs> um, and basically, they uh, Justin Long uh, will live out the rest of his days uh, in a doghouse in his walrus suit and uh, wants to live, which uh, doesn't make any sense to me. But again, I'm not going to try and critique the film based on like the psychology of Justin Long's ability to survive because the film doesn't give a shit about that. And I don't shit either. But at the same time, it's like. That is the most insane. It tries to be moving at the end where the girlfriend <laughs> is like, I love you. And Justin Long tears up and does the like thing. And I'm just kind of like, what is this trying to say? Like, like, cause that's a horrible fate to be living in a doghouse. You're eating salmon every day and your ex-girlfriend is fucking your best friend and they visit you every day and they're like, hi, we're still fucking like, that's horrible. Also, like, you're a walrus. Don't forget that. You're a walrus. Like, uh, you know, I would be like clapping my fucking walrus fins to be like at Johnny Depp shot with Johnny Depp aiming the shotgun at me, going, "Yes, yes, do it!" Like Jesus. Now, see, I know you don't want to like go and break down Justin Long's psychology, but I'm so curious. On one hand, why did Kevin Smith think this was a good ending? On the other hand, why did Justin <laughs> Long think this is a good fate? I mean, is this resignation? Is this uh, like just? actually taking into heart uh, Michael Park's thing, like you will become a walrus and get in touch with your animal self, like it doesn't make any sense and it's it's like they tried to make it moving they didn't even try and do it in a satirical way which I thought could have been funny you know like pay 25 cents to see the circus freak show walrus creature or whatever like that could have been uh, like really dark and weird and fucked up but 
like also i want to know like when family members come over and want to use that pool that's in the backyard does justin long just come out and like scare the shit out of them and they someone would call the cops about that shit (laughs) he would not like it's amazing that he's been there for a year because i'm pretty sure he would have been there two days and some neighbor would have been like uh what's that arfing noise and then just seen that and been like what the fuck and they would be in jail for like keeping him alive like i don't know (laughs) It's just, and you know, not like we're not like you're supposed to ask these questions to begin with. But at the same time, it's trying to have like a somewhat moving ending. Then I'm just kind of like, well, uh, I don't know. <laughs> See, I again, tonally, this movie could have been a lot funnier. It could have been a lot darker. I feel like this was a weird midpoint between the two, where they're trying to make a point about the fact that this is something to say about the human race. I think it works. Um, <laughs> like the no, <laughs> the way that. At least they carried it throughout the movie. I think it worked. Uh, the way that Michael Parks introduced, like, who wouldn't want to be a human? Who wouldn't want to be a walrus? Like, I thought that worked in the way that, you know, as weird as it is, the way that Justin Long kind of took that to heart, I think it worked a little bit. But the fact that, you know, he felt so okay with it after murdering Michael Parks and after uh, Genesis is saying, uh, no, please come back, come back. Like, what is so much better about being a walrus that you would give up your like, podcasting life that you were so cocky about at the beginning of the movie that you would, like, choose that over the yeah. thing? Yeah, exactly. He has no tongue. He's made of rotting flesh, which apparently doesn't rot a year at all. later. Nope. A year later. Um, you'd think that the flesh would just rot off and then, like, he eventually become somewhat human again and they just like they just you know what i would have preferred if it just ended with a shot of them just dropping walrus justin long off at like a hospital entrance and then just driving away i was excited to see um if they rescued him what it would be like after taking off the walrus suit because i really 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 want to see that gruesome like what did you do to justin long oh Oh my god he'll never live the same way again i was kind of looking forward to that in that weird kind of hostile way yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, also, I think that was a petting zoo, like a legitimate full-blown petting zoo that they kept Justin Long at because, uh, like, they pulled into, like, a bigger parking lot and there was, like, signs outside for more animals. I don't think that was a house. Uh, so, <laughs> Oh, it was? Where are the other animals? And how is that legal? And, like, <laughs> like, it's just so screwed up. I mean, it just doesn't... It's Canada. They don't have freedom there. I was just... What kind of statement is Kevin Smith trying to make at this not to mention like that's a terrible like is the girlfriend keeping him alive for selfish reasons just because she can't kill him because that's really fucked up and like uh i don't know how is johnny depp how did johnny depp how did they convince johnny depp not to shoot him in the face how did they just get johnny depp to be like okay whatever you want and just leave and then just have johnny depp just not tell anybody about that i feel like i would have a moral obligation if i just saw what justin long looked like after finding him like that but uh you know whatever kevin smith uh so as a whole you didn't like this movie you wouldn't really recommend it to anybody no i mean like if it's on uh i don't know how the hell they'd show this on cable but like if it's on (laughs) Uh, if you want to get, like, you know, if it's on HBO and you want to order a pizza and a, get beers with your friends, I guess it's fine. I just think that in terms of how midnight movies go, uh, it's just not that satisfying. I mean, I'm in the minority here, especially with the people who went to our screenings who just adored it. Um, yeah, the people in our theater really, really liked it for the most part. Um, I don't know. I just feel like there are better midnight movies out there. Um and maybe I was also spoiled by South by Southwest earlier this year where I had the luxury of going to a ton of midnight movies that uh, like The Guest is coming out soon, which I think that is just a great combination of action camp uh, horror, uh, ridiculously over the top gore. It actually does have some weird heart to it. Um, it's coming out later this month. And I think that's a better example of this like cult horror midnight movie genre where it's also like the type of movie where you'd want to watch it on VHS because it has this weird uh, electronic synth score that's kind of out of the John Carpenter movie and it's got a very John (laughs) Carpenter vibe. It's so out there and it's like not like uh, turning people into a walrus out there but it has like a clearer sense as to what it wants to be whereas uh, I just feel like Kevin Smith just kind of threw everything at the wall and... Russ. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, I it, it didn't really feel satisfying to me. And I also just don't think that he's got the 
I, I just think that some of the, I mean, obviously I don't want to poke fun at this movie. I don't want to attack this movie for being like, the shot compositions were flat and whatever, <laughs> but I just don't think Kevin Smith is that good at, like, you know, composing interesting shots or, um, you know, uh, you know, continue letting a scene play out naturally and knowing when to cut it. I just feel like it's just kind of, uh, to quote a critic, uh, who I rarely get along with, but um, he wrote a blurb for his review that said, there's a fine horror film inside Tusk, but it's only 20 minutes long. The rest is just blubber. Uh, Kyle Smith wrote that from the New York Post. I think that, excuse me, that is a pretty good way to sum up my feelings of it. I feel like there's a good like 20 minute short in here that could have been really funny and really dark and really out there, but stretched to feature length that just feels kind of thin and repetitive and very... Bizarre. I won't. It's not a movie I would stop anybody from seeing, though, because it, it's going to be one of those movies where it's just so weird that, you know, you, you can't explain to people like what this you can explain to people what it is, but they haven't seen it. You know, like there's some movies like Cowboys and Aliens. If you've pictured the movie, you've seen it. Whereas <laughs> this movie, even though you tell them, even though everyone knows what the premise is, you haven't seen what the movie actually is. So I totally agree. I mean, the fact that only about 20 minutes of this movie is like legitimate horror I'm kind of okay with um, maybe it's because I was so excited for this movie that I really just didn't like I didn't like block out the rest of the movie like the weird flashbacks and those kinds of things it just didn't mm -hmm. work as well as the rest and um, I I feel like the horror is strong enough to carry the movie because it's those big reveals and those really like the way that he structures the movie he almost replaces laughs with scares Mm -hmm. In that, like, scenes build, 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 scare. Build, 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 scare. Yeah. Uh, that's how he paces his comedies, and that's how he decided to pace Tusk, which also means lots of, like, little tangents throughout there. Um, I thought it was really, really good in that, uh, you know, Kevin Smith doesn't give a crap what you think about him. He just wants to make his movies. And I admire him for that, absolutely. Yeah, he sticks to his guns, like, really, really strong in this movie. Yeah, no, and I admire that Kevin Smith does make the exact type of movie he wants to make, which uh, I, you know, I applaud him for the audacity of this film. You know, I applaud him for just going all out there in some scenes. Uh, I wish he just pushed the envelope farther. At the same time, I do love movies that, you know, are, you know, as sometimes it's it's a fascinatingly weird film. Like, and I've really loved some movies that this that have come out this year that have big flaws that are just such fascinating messes that I just can't help but love Lucy. It despite its flaws. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> Lucy's one of them. Uh, Lucy's just insane. Uh, there's a movie called The Congress with Robin Wright, which she plays in which she plays herself and. Uh, is that out yet? I saw a trailer for that and I was hooked immediately, but is that out? It's out. Uh, it, it might not be playing at the Brattle anymore, but that's where I saw it. Oh, and crap. yeah, uh, I, it's on iTunes. I think you can rent it on iTunes still. But yeah, it's just like, you know, fascinatingly weird because the first hour is just Robin Wright Penn and like Harvey Keitel's her agent saying like, you turn down all these roles and, you know, we want to be able to get you to do anything because, you know, we want to make money off of it, you know, your star power and we don't give a crap what your po politics are on what films you make. So, you know, then she basically gives herself up as this computer generated version that she uses and she goes into this weird animated world and it's just a big mishmash of ideas and uh, animation and live action and meta co political commentaries that don't all flow together and I can tell where the flaws are but it was just like so fascinatingly weird that I could not help but love it so there are movies like Tusk where I am ripping them apart where I'm like this is such a mess I can't recommend it there are other movies like that that I've seen this year where I've kind of applauded them for that so it's hard for me to say that you know like it, it, a lot of the problems I feel like I have with this movie are not a lot of problems I think a lot of other people have with this movie agreed um I I the thing is I agree with everything you're saying I still loved it um yeah <laughs> it's it, it tickled this weird funny bone in me that was like yes turn this guy into a walrus make weird Canada jokes Mm -hmm. uh, it, it resonated with me in a way that I'm a little bit disturbed that it did. Um, I'm disturbed that it actually scared me because I didn't expect it to. I mean, the big reveal is a shocking reveal, which almost makes the movie worth it. But it just it, the, the rest of the film just sagged for me. Charlie Nash. Yes. Where can people find you on the interweb? 
Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at ctnash91. That's ctnash. C-T-N-A-S-H-91. We can spell here on the ADR podcast. Yes. <laughs> Letters. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. You can edit that out, right? <laughs> yeah, I can edit stuff out. Don't worry about it. Okay. Yeah. C-T-N-A-S-H-91. You can also follow me on Letterboxd with the same username. If you have a Letterboxd account uh, and follow me, I will follow you back. Same with Twitter. You can also find work that I've written for Edge Media on edgeonthenet.com uh, or edgeboston.com. You can also find stuff that I've written for Movie Mezzanine on MovieMezzanine.com and uh, podcasts that I've done for Film Geek Radio on FilmGeekRadio.com. Hell yeah, man. Uh, you can find me, uh, Brian Hamilton, at underscore Brian Hamilton, spelled exactly the same way as it is. Uh, Charlie Nash, thank you so much for coming on to uh, ADR to talk about this uh, weird walrus movie thing. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me, man. It was a total blast. And uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, tune in next week for another movie analysis. Talk to you guys later. Oh, oh, hey, oh, hey, girls. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Phoenix, don't eat the mic. My roommate has a, two adorable dogs. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs>